0: This is a long weekend, huh? I didn't even know. President's Day or something? What is it? I, I'm, I'm so confused. They used to be named after people, and now they're just presidents. And so we're going to start maybe a pastor's day, get a commemorative stamp, get something like that. We can really have cool stuff going on. But uh, good to see you. I, uh, I want to begin with something that is, uh, is really close to my heart. There's, uh, there's a ministry in Mozambique, Africa. It was begun many years ago by Roland and Heidi Baker, and the work they've done there has been absolutely amazing, and this newsletter came actually on two twelve fifteen, and I share just a part of it with you because it so relates to what we're talking about today, but I want you just to, to listen, uh, especially at this first line in what uh, Roland writes. He said, in, in Jesus, we are the crowning achievement of all of his creative power. We just stop and rest in that a moment. God did not make a better man or woman. God created you in his image. There was not room for better. You're the crowning achievement of all that God conceived of at creation. Angels were not created in the image of God. Only you were created in the image of God. And when I realized that I read this and then I knew that I was speaking on the image of God today, I thought, what a marvelous connection. Let me read it again. In Jesus' name, we are the crowning achievement of all of his creative power. We find our greatest liberty at the point of his most complete control, where we are set free by his spirit to do what is most spectacularly, ravishingly perfect. We in our lives are the field of the activity of his mind. Your life is the activity of the mind of God. Think of that. He cultivates your life that he might express his mind through you, which must never be underestimated. We are the outcome and the substance of his joy. Now, instead of putting we in there, just put I, I am, listen to this, I am the outcome and the substance of his joy. By his spirit, we partake of his pleasure, tasting the perfection of relationship that could rise only from his infinite imagination. His delights, he delights in all his own handiwork, which is our delight in him. How perfect is our God. In Africa, we miraculously maintain a positive outlook in the face of the worst that Satan can do. We lower ourselves in broken humility only to rise in the joy of the Lord, more than conquerors through him who loved us. By taking pleasure in our God, we rout the enemy. By pursuing the free gift of holiness and refusing condemnation, we find every reason to be lighthearted. Incessant flooding this year in our part of Africa has left tens of thousands of people homeless and destitute. The rains have cut off whole towns from electricity and basic supplies as power lines, bridges, and roads have been heavily damaged. There is so much work to be done among the poor and the lost. So much suffering and disease remain. But faltering faith will not help us face reality. You ever just been overcome by your situation and your faith faltered, and, and he addresses that when he says faltering faith will not overcome our reality. We prefer to live in denial, reveling in what Jesus will do next among us. Hardly passive, we run the race in him, taking hold of the promise of the gospel in all of its glory. And so now we pray for the continuation and the acceleration of all of our God has accomplished in Mozambique, in our corner of Africa. That ministered to me because I know that ministry and what they've done and the hardships they've been through and the trials they've been through on a massive scale, on a scale into the thirty and 40,000 people trying to minister to. In probably one of the worst countries when it comes to economics, disasters, landmines, or are more landmines in Mozambique per square mile than any other country in the world, undetonated. It has been the, it has been the crossroads for all that Satan could do. And maybe your life feels like that at times. Your, your life feels like the crossroads and the filled with landmines and the struggles and the difficulties, but, but I love... What they say, but we maintain a positive outlook in the face of what of the worst Satan can do. And now we pray for an acceleration of all that our God has accomplished. You know, one of the things that we are really believing we are in is what I refer to as Joel two time. And that means an acceleration of the work of God. Joel says, I'm going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Look at your life and see all that God has taken away from you and how long it it took for those things to fall through the fingers of your grasp. God says, I can restore everything you lost. I can restore it in an instant. And I believe as we come into last days, I believe that there's going to be an acceleration of what God wants to do. And he's going to do it with people who are created in the image of Almighty God. And that's you. Isn't that exciting? I am created in the image of God. Created in the image of God. Listen to this now. Man stands apart and above all other creatures. We were created as image bearers to live in Koram Dio, which means before the face of God. You were created to live before the very face of God. It means that God intends us to live in the presence of God under his divine watch care, authority, and love. Living Coram Deo means that no matter what vocation we choose or how far we stray from God, we are always living in his presence. And his presence becomes a present reality when we invite the presence of the Spirit of God into our life. Even right now, as you, you sit or where you stand, you, you, you say this, even under your breath, spirit of God, make your presence known to me. Make me aware that I stand in the face of God. I stand in the presence of almighty God. You see, you were created to live before the face of God. Think about that. You ever looked in the mirror and you had kind of mixed emotions, what you saw? You know, at times you think I look pretty good, at times you go, What happened to me? Oh my, I need a new mirror. I love those mirrors, you know, that make you thin. Have you seen those? I, I don't why do they sell anything other than that? It doesn't even make sense. I mean just Thin us all down, you know, and then there's those ones that distort you and, you know, you can look fat and short and you can look wide and you can look all flip-floppy and all that kind of stuff. But you see, we are distorted by what we see in the physical realm because we don't look into the spiritual realm. We want to see something different, but what God wants us to see him. God wants us to see him when we look in that mirror. He wants us to see, do you realize you were created in the image of God? I like the way you look. I like those imperfections. I made every one of them. They bring me joy. I love to watch people. Do you like to watch people? I I like to watch people and just, I'm, I'm fascinated by all the different parts. I mean, I look at somebody's head, it's like the ultimate Mr. Potato Head. I just, don't you ever do that? You look and go, how can God take like eight major parts on a head and make everybody look different? You know, the ears are bigger, the nose, the eyes, the eyebrows, the hair. I mean, it's all kind of going on. And God, in in all of His infinite glory of His creativity, He created us like that. Somehow we're all different, and somehow we're all the same. And He created us to exercise dominion in our world, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But that's how God created us He wanted us to thrive, not to fail. He wants us to feel like we were winners, not feel like we were losers. Feel like we were making progress, not feel like we were losing. We must allow his presence, though, to guide us. When you allow the presence of God to guide you, your life is so much different. And that's as simple as this. You say, how do I do that? It's as simple as this. God, would you guide me today in my life? God, would you make yourself known? Would your presence be present with me right now? Let's turn in our Bible to Genesis and get to the the matter of the image of God today. In Genesis chapter 1 in verse 26 through 28, the Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Now I want you to pause for a moment because this is the first revelation of the Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, Let us. Who's the us? Well, it's not angels because created in the image of God, he's speaking about the Godhead. He's speaking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man in our image. There it is again, the plural. According to our likeness. It's interesting. He says three different times, let us in our image, in our likeness. Bringing us back to the Trinity. We might even build a case that God is saying, let us make man in our image. He's he's trying to point us out to, to point to us what he's doing in us. And he says, let them have dominion. You know what God did when he created Adam and Eve? He made Adam the king of the earth. He made Eve the queen of the earth. He said, now rule and prosper and have dominion. You are now in charge of planet earth. And you're going to act as I delegate you to act on planet earth. He said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over everything that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. But notice the next little word, and subdue it. I don't want you just to be fruitful. I don't want you just to multiply. I don't want you just to fill the earth. I don't want you to see how many people you can get on planet earth. I'm concerned about that, and I want you to subdue the earth. I want, it, I want you to bring it under your control. So when God created, here's what he did. He created uh, in the image. We are created in the image of God himself. So what is that image? I think the image of God guarantees our significance. You see, feeling significant is really an important part of living, isn't it? Feeling like you are somebody, feeling like you have worth, feeling like you were put on planet Earth for some purpose. And you can get lost in the, in the shuffle of just going through life and why am I here and what's it all about and why do I exist and all of those things running through your head all of the time. But you see, image and likeness, they, they speak to what God has done. You see, we reflect the very nature and the design of God. You ever looked at somebody and thought, that's kind of what God is like? That's really what it's saying. That we're kind of like what God is like. That we're created in his image. And, there, and man has a spiritual mirroring of God's essence. When I look into that mirror, what I'm really seeing is I'm seeing something of the essence of God. That's why when when they asked Jesus, they said, show us the Father and it'll be enough. And he said, if I've been with you so long and you don't know me, he who has seen me has seen the Father. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So when I see Jesus, I see the Father. When I see Jesus, I see a reflection of what I'm like. And there's something significant about that. It also refers to the ability to act with authority as God delegates. When God puts you in charge of something, he puts you in charge of something. You ever been delegated some authority to do something and, and you thought, well, this is my job, this is what I'm going to do, and then you forfeited that job? You just said, I don't want to do that anymore. When I was, uh, first came to faith in Christ, I was at the university, and I was, I was a pre-law student, and I was going through that whole process, and, and, and God saved me, and, and I was really struggling with trying to figure out, what do I do with my life? Where am I supposed to go with my life? And so I dropped out of school, and my dad gave me that, that ultimatum that dads are really good at, uh, get a job or you're going in the army, which is highly motivational, by the way, I just have to say. And, uh, and so I thought, I, you know, I'm, I was like every guy that dropped out of college for a little while. I, you know, I didn't really worry about it too much. I had a bed, I had a car, I, you know, mom cooked. I mean, it was a great deal. I could have done it for far longer, right? And, uh, and so I kept putting it off, putting off. Finally, you know, I found a job. I was going to wash cars at the local dealership and it was Denver, Colorado, and it was January. Now, if you're thinking like I'm thinking, you're thinking, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get the keys to the car, I'm going to pull it inside to a nice garage bay, and I'm going to wash the car, take it back out. It's going to be cool. I get to drive new cars. I get to wash cars inside a nice, warm car bay. Was I ever surprised when I show up, given a bucket, a hose, and I'm washing cars outside and there's snow on the ground? Now, I started washing. I was delegated as the washer. I took the job. They were paying me to wash those cars. And I started washing. My hands got colder. My feet got wet. They started to freeze up. And I'm sitting there after about two hours of washing cars. I'm looking around to see how do I get out of here. I'm ready to quit. I want to quit the job. And so finally I looked. I didn't see anybody that worked there because they were all inside warm. And I'm out here doing this stupid car washing in the winter in Denver, right? So what did I do? I looked around, I dropped the hose, and I ran as fast as I could to my car. I'm out of there. Now, why did I do that? Well, I did it because it was a lousy job and I was cold. But ultimately, you know what I did? I relegated my delegation. I didn't like the job, and so I said, I'm out of here. I'm not going to do what you're paying me to do. I'm not going to do what you told me I should do and what I agreed to do. And see, when we do that, we lose a little bit. As I'm driving away, I'm thinking, I should have just gone in and quit. But I didn't want to face him. I didn't want him to try to talk me back into it. And I think what we have to understand is that part of what it means to be in the image of God is that God gave you an assignment. And God wants you to do that assignment. So it guides our purpose. Look what he says. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And here's what I believe he's telling us. Here's what I think he said to Adam, and I I want you to listen to this. There's three words I want you to write down, and I'll tell them to you as we go. The first word is expand. Expand beyond the borders of the garden. That's what he was telling Adam. I don't want you to stay in the garden forever. It's not big enough. I want you to subdue the world. I want you to move out of this. I want you to, to exercise some authority. He was really speaking about government here. He was saying, Adam, there's going to come a point when this garden is full. There's going to come a point when there's not enough room. As you begin to multiply, as you begin to fill this place, I want you to expand. And as you expand, I put you in charge of planet Earth. I want you to subdue it. I want you to run this show, so to speak. I want you to expand beyond the borders. And then I want you to increase the number of people in the kingdom. You see, as you, as, as you start to minister, I, he, I think God was fully aware that not everybody was going to eat from the tree of life. What would happen if part would have eaten from the tree of life and part would have rejected the tree of life and, and eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, we would have a society like we have today. We have a society where we have people who love God and people who don't. And, and, but what he's saying is, I want you to take seriously the responsibility of bringing people into the kingdom of God. I want you to see that unfold in your life. I want you to touch lives and change lives. I want you to minister to people powerfully. When we first started this church, there was a little picture of of, uh, of Madonna out here on the loading dock. And it was so significant because I just saw the man that handed it to me that day. But we bought the building and there was this little picture of Mary out there. And I thought, why is this taped up on the wall? And uh, the, the postal driver came and he said, you know, when, when this building was first opened, I found that on the ground and I taped it on the wall. And I thought I, I, it shouldn't be on the ground, but I didn't know what to do with it. And every day when I'd come to pick up mail at this post office, I would put more tape on it to make sure it didn't fall on the ground. And every day I would walk over and he said, from the day this building was built, I knew there was something special about this building. I could feel the presence of God in this building. And he said, and I deliver to all. I pick up mail from all the post offices in Anaheim. And this is the only one I felt like that. And I remember saying one time, I think one day this will be a church. And I saw him. He was in our, in our coffee shop here this week. And I looked over him and I caught eye. I was just moving out. I didn't have a chance to stop him. But I looked at him and I, and, and I knew that he knew that God had answered this prayer, that God was fulfilling something, and there was something about the presence of God in this place, and, and, and those efforts I had to bring him and to speak to him about Christ is what we are about, increasing the number of people in the kingdom. But then he told Adam to do something interesting. He said, I want you to rule over the enemies of the realm. In other words, you know, Adam wasn't the only one on planet Earth. Satan was there. And Adam didn't know it at that time, but something was getting ready to change in his life, was it not? And all of a sudden, he would realize that he was in a battle, and you have to subdue. Do you realize you are in a spiritual battle, and every day Satan is trying to destroy your life? Every day he's trying to take joy from you. Every day he's trying to tell you you're not significant. Every day he's trying to depreciate you in your walk before God. I love the Westminster Catechism. It says this. It asks this question. What is the chief end of man? Have you ever thought about that? Why am I here? What purpose do I serve? What is the chief end of man? And then it answers this by this question. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I love that. But it's not complete. Because it doesn't drive to purpose here on earth. Purpose here on earth is I was created to be a world changer. When I read this about Roland and Heidi Baker and I realize that here they both have doctor's degrees. Here they could be in America and they could be highly paid. Here they could be sought after as authors and speakers and all of those things. But they have chosen to go into the poorest of the poor. They have chosen to give the last 20 years of their life in changing lives. Because somehow they tapped into the purpose of God. They said, my life is more than just making money and just accumulating things and just doing this and doing that. I have to be a world changer. We didn't start this church to just show up. We started this to have a movement where we would change people's lives, where the world would be different because of us where little by little, one by one, we touch lives and we make a difference. And you have to investigate and find a way to do that. You can't wait for it just to show up. You have to say, what can I do? What's in my heart? What passion do I have to change somebody's life? How can I minister to somebody? How can I keep that process going? You know, ministry is not always easy, and sometimes it's, it takes a long time to see any change in a person's life. But how how much are they worth if they're created in the image of God? How much are you worth created in the image of God? You're invaluable. That's why Jesus gladly died on the cross. Because he was dying for those created in the image of God. And it made sense. It made sense to do things like that. You see, the image is divine design. When God created you, he created you with a divine design. Bill Johnson wrote these words, and I thought they were so good. We are are often more convinced of our unworthiness than we are of his worth. Our inability takes on greater focus than does his ability. It's not hard to feel like you're not worth something. But you see, it's really somehow taking away from what God did. We have to be convinced of his worth and his worth to us and our worth to him. I want to take you to scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. It it says this, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Now, let me just take that apart for you. God is a God of peace. If you're experiencing anything other than peace, it's not coming from God. God is not a God who's trying to create conflict in your life. God is not a God of guilt. If you're feeling guilty, it's not coming from God. You might feel conviction to do something right, but you're not going to feel guilt. You see guilt has no end other than to pass it on to somebody else, right? The gift that keeps on giving is guilt. So what you want to do is you want to say, okay, I was created by the God of peace. The God of peace is with you. And it says to sanctify, he wants to set you apart. You know what that means? He wants you to be different. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be like him. So it says that, uh, that may the, he sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who calls you, he who calls you as faithful who will also do it. Now look what it says. He says you were created body, soul, and spirit. And he wants you to be blameless in all three areas, your body, your spirit, and your soul. When Jesus comes back, he is concerned with the whole being, your body, your soul, and your spirit. What's your soul? It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. How about your body? That's pretty obvious, right? And your spirit is that which created. that gives you the capacity to communicate with God. And so God made you a tripart being. You know why? Because God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And whenever you see things in threes, they reflect the divine nature of God. We spoke about this uh, last week or the week before when we began to talk about the number three and its significance. Did Did you ever think that when you get those three things in right balance, that you best reflect the image of God? You can't just feed your spirit. You can't just feed your mind and your will and your emotions. You can't just feed your physical being. You have to have all three of those working together and in sync to where you begin to reflect the very image of God in everything you do. So God is not concerned about just one thing. Years ago I was coming back uh, from a a retreat that was a student retreat and I had to come back early and there was a a, a gal that needed a ride back. She was uh, about 14 years old. And I was driving back uh, uh, from the beach in New Jersey. And and as we were driving back, I said, so what's your story? I didn't know her at all. And uh, she began to just tell me about horrible things in her life. And she says, you know, I'm a cutter. And I said, really? I said, why is that? Because I can't, that's the only thing I feel anymore. I don't feel anymore. I don't have emotions anymore. They're gone. They're just wasted. I said, well, how long have you been doing this? She said, a couple of years. I said, what are you, like 14 now? 13, 15? I don't know. said, I'm 14. So for two years, you haven't felt anything unless you cut. Now, what she didn't know was going on in her life was she had just missed out on the image of God. And her circumstances and her life and her bad, bad choices and everything else in her had diminished away the capacity to function as God had created her to function in the image of God Himself. We had about two hours in the car just to talk about life and talk about the image of God. And and she didn't smile the whole time. You could tell that there were just everything was pounding against her, everything was pounding against her. And she, I pulled up in front of her house, and she got out, and she looked back at me, and she smiled. And I never saw her again. I don't know who she was. She wasn't a part of our church. We just gave her a ride. Now, you might think I failed because I didn't fix her. And sometimes you feel like you fail because you don't accomplish all you want in life. I want you to know you never fail when you do good. You never fail when you move someone just a little closer to understanding their worth and their, and their value as a, as a person created in the image of God. You'd be surprised what a difference you make in someone's life, and you don't even know it. You'd be surprised what one smile, one handshake, one wave, one remembering somebody's name does to increase the value and the worth. You know, this church, the only thing that's really going to be super significant about it is going to be the way that we love one another. That's really what's going to matter, isn't it? When it's all said and done, it doesn't matter how many assets we have or, or how many people show up or how good the music is or anything else. It's always going to come down to how well do we love. And loving comes from something that is divine. It comes from the image of Almighty God. We are created in his image. Augustine of Hippo wrote this. He taught that true freedom is not a choice or a lack of constraint but being what you are meant to be. Humans were created in the image of God, and true freedom then is not found in moving away from that image, but only in living it out. Living it out. You see, in Christ, the dominion that we have takes on new meaning. You know what dominion is? It it answers two questions, my identity and my purpose. My identity is, who am I? Who am I? And the second one is, and, and why am I here? When we begin to function in those two things, we begin to understand I am, who am I? I am a person of worth created in the image of God. If no one else on planet Earth ever lived, Jesus would have died for me. That's how valuable I am. And why am I here? I'm here to enjoy life, to enjoy God, to subdue it, to, to, to be what God wants me to be, to take on the mission and the mantle of Jesus every day of my life. You know what dominion is? It's the realm of sufficiency. When you function in dominion, you know what it means? It means you understand something about the kingdom of God. Remember these words from Jesus? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. I want the kingdom to come in my life. I want it to affect my life and my world. You know what dominion is? It's an invasion into hell. You know what happens when you start to talk about the image of God? You know what happens when you start to change lives? You're invading hell. You're invading hell. And when you invade hell, what you do is you release kingdom power into the circumstances of life. You bring handfuls of light into a dark place. In Romans chapter 16 and verse 20, it says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The God of peace remember that God of peace we talked about who's going to sanctify you holy body soul and spirit it says the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly dominion means you have access to the unseen world Have you ever been reading in scripture and God and you just God shows you something you go now I see it you see that's that's kingdom power that's kingdom authority Unseen world has, has influence over the seen world. Do you realize that the things that are real are not what you see, but the things that are real are, are eternal and they're unseen? That's what really lasts forever. And when we begin to see God work in people's lives, when we begin to see lives change in a, in a marvelous way, it makes a difference. You're exercising dominion in your life. Bill Johnson put it like this, the realm of God's domain That realm of all sufficiency is the realm called the kingdom. The benefits of his rule were illustrated through his works of forgiveness, deliverance, and healing. When someone is forgiven, it's a work of God. When you feel forgiven, it's a work of God. When you feel valuable, it's a work of God. When you've been healed, it's a work of God. When you've been set free from something that has pulled you down, it's a work of God. When you begin to see Satan crushed under your feet, it's a work of God. You see, you were created to work the works of God throughout your life. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, God doesn't want something from us. He simply wants us. What can I give God? You. What's more valuable than you? You. You know, and sometimes you think, well, maybe that person over there. No, they're created in the image of God too. What's more valuable than you? The answer is nobody, because I was created in the image of God. Who's more valuable than that person over there? Nobody, because they were created in the image of God. You see, Jesus doesn't want something from you. He simply wants you. He just wants you. He just wants you. Doesn't it feel good to be wanted by God? Now, this message may or may not apply to you today. You may say, "I feel really good about myself," but I promise you, it won't take long before you'll feel diminished, you'll feel under attack, and you'll say, "What was that message?" You see, we are too. Let me give you a couple of life applications. Here is the first one: Pursue the fullness of God's presence. You have to pursue God. You have to hunger after God. You have to strive to find God in every circumstance. He's not hard to find. You just have to pursue him. And when you pursue him, the instant you begin to go on that journey to pursue him, you find him. It's as simple as saying, I just want to walk into your presence right now, God. And God's presence shows up. You become aware of that presence. And then discover your purpose in loving God. I just meant to love God. And when I love God, I can love you. And when I love others, I can love God. You see, God just wants me in that hot pursuit of loving what God has done in my life because I'm created in the image of God. I want you to stand with me right now. I want to pray, and I want you just to take a few minutes just to let God speak to you about his image in you. And I want you to make some decisions right where you stand or sit about your life. As we stand before you, Father, we stand as creatures created in the image of the Creator. With all the the difficulties, all the setbacks, all the challenges we face in life, we are created in the image of God. If there's any any point in your life, any time in your life, any experience or any feelings right now that are anything less than you are fully loved by God, I want you just to set them aside. Maybe just repeat this with me. I am created in the image of God. God loves me the way I am. God will pursue me to the end of my days. And I will pursue him with all my heart. God loves me even when I'm unlovable. God holds me even when I resist. God wipes the tears from my eye. And he restores the joy in my heart. There is nothing that will ever separate me from the love of the Father. Show me more of your love, Father. Bring me in to relationship in a deeper way this day this morning. Let me focus on your love and not on my failure. On your love and not my challenges. Because if I know you love me, I know I can move forward in hope. Wrap a mantle of love around me and let it never slide off. Let me never forget that you are a God who loves me greatly. And you've called me to just enjoy the image in myself and in everyone around me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. And as we stand, I'm going to invite members of our Africa team to come up here. We are, uh, we are doing our first uh, mission trip as a church. We have 31 people going to South Africa. Um, and it's, it's a pretty amazing feat, honestly, when you think about trying to get 31 people together and take them a long way. Um, we're going to be going and working with Jared Davidoff, our evangelist in South Africa. And we're going to be ministering in schools. Um, we'll probably be in four or five schools a day. We'll probably see two or 3,000 kids come to faith in Christ in a week. And it's so exciting to be a part of this journey with all of these people. Um, and it's... Uh, scoot this way, guys. Kind of scoot in. You guys back in here all bunched up in the dark. We can't really see you. And this is great. Can you put your hands together and just... So they leave on uh, on Friday, and we have a... Takes like two days to get there, so uh, uh, we we get there on Sunday and and begin to minister right away on Monday morning, and we'll minister uh, all five days and then uh, um, come back uh, on the following Sunday. We'll leave on the following Sunday and and come back on Monday. So it takes a little while, but God is uh, God's really doing some cool stuff. Thank you for joining us. All right, all right, that's what it's going to be like. I can see already. Where is so and so? We've lost them. We've lost them. All right. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead and uh, um, let's just if, would you just reach your hand out toward this team and we're just going to we're going to pray blessings on them and anointing on them um, I will say this if uh, if any of you have it in your heart we still have some team members that are still a little short on finances if you can uh, see us or see Sean uh, and and let us know that you, hey I'd be glad to help um, it's, uh, it's no easy task to raise funds to go to on a trip like this so uh, let's just bless them right now. We just bless this team in Jesus' name. We pray that the power of the Spirit of God would fall on every one of them. That God, you would you would give us a spirit of evangelism, a spirit of power and of truth, of changed lives. That God, through everyone here, you will minister grace upon grace. We'll look into the face of little kids and adults and know that they were created in the image of God and that you want them, too, to be world changers for the kingdom. God, I thank you for every team member for their efforts in prayer, their efforts in in raising funds, their efforts in taking off work and sometimes even losing income because they took off work. The sacrifice, God, we want you to honor. We ask now for an anointing of mission, an anointing of mission, to fall on every member. God, may they feel your presence right now. May we feel that power and that weight of commissioning in this entire church as we just welcome the presence of God on this commissioning now in Jesus' name. And for his sake we go. Amen and amen. Can we give him a just a praise offering? Amen. Amen. My, uh, the ushers are waving baskets at the back door. They're ready. They said they're ready to take this serious. So we are, uh, if you want to give, you can give on the way out. And if you didn't come prepared to give, that's okay. We don't want anyone to ever give by guilt. I want you to give by revelation. So if you want to help this team out, uh, we promise we'll get it to them and and we'll divide it up and and, uh, it'll be a good thing. Amen. Amen. Let me bless you as you go. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And may may the Lord be glorious to you. May you revel in the image of God. May you thank God that he loves you. And that that when you look at someone today, you, you, you look at them and you say, thank God you're creating the image of God. And that's instant bond, instant love, instant power to speak the name of Jesus. May the Lord keep you. And may the Lord use you to influence your world for Jesus Christ and all of his power and all of his authority. And everybody said amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord.